Arizona, Arizona Sports, Sports, the local the sports, local leader. sports leader. leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. All right, it's the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Steve Zinsmeister in for Dave Burns today. Uh, I thought that maybe a little bit of the wind got knocked out of the sails when this was announced, but uh, Kevin Durant is not going to be playing tonight. Ruled out for the Phoenix Suns against the Thunder what? at Footprint Center. How many people dropped five grand on a ticket to see Kevin Durant play and he's not playing tonight? Maybe more than that. To be honest, this is one of the biggest debuts in the NBA. Also worth noting, campaign out, Landry Shamit out, Shake Elgis Alexander, questionable. You can see the uh, hear the action here on 98.7 FM, by the way. Because they played last night. They, the Thunder played last night. They lost in overtime to the Jazz. I wonder if they would keep him out just because... Like give this one up. They're fighting for a playoff spot. They're a half game out of a playoff spot right now. Would they just concede this game kind of against Phoenix on a second night of a back-to-back to, to rest Che Gilgis-Alexander? They got an easy schedule down the stretch. It's possible they do that. We'll see. We'll have to wait for Durant's debut. You can hear the action tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, today was the last day of Newsmakers Week over on Bickley and Murata. Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon on with the guys today discussing what he was looking for in an offensive coordinator. A guy that's been in multiple schemes. That was one of the first things that I thought about. You've only been in one scheme your whole life. That's what you know, and that's okay. A lot of people do a really good job and are highly successful with their one scheme and how they do things. But when you have one scheme, you have to fit those exact pieces in perfectly. Yeah, and with, you know, listen, I mean, obviously with Drew, he gets a guy that he feels can, you know, that was a quarterback's coach that's been around, it's been in a bunch of different schemes, because what Gaddon seems to want more than anything else is we'll adapt to the players, they don't have to adapt to us. We'll, we'll get the best talent out of the players, because that's how we do it. Another big name on the show today for Newsmakers Week was Diamondbacks GM Mike Hazen discussing the harsh reality that they're going through of trading away a player like Dalton Varshell. I gave up a very good, if not one of our best players in this trade. That's never easy to do and certainly one of the most popular guys in our clubhouse. So the reaction in there wasn't overly ecstatic when I talked <laughs> to some players. Look, these are sometimes the decisions I feel like we need to make. Our team is even more well-rounded in taking one player and having two that we think are really good. Listen, sometimes there are trades in which both teams win. It, 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 it happens. And then, but usually one team wins a trade. You know, usually somebody wins the trade. And we'll know soon enough uh, with Varsho and Moreno. Like, I'm not like this year, but we'll, we'll know in a couple of years who won that trade. But it was worth it for Hazen because of the surplus of outfielders he had and the struggles they've had at the catcher position. Even though I love Carson Kelly, he hit 11 last year. So getting another catcher in, uh, now you've got two catchers that you feel are quality catchers and, and Moreno is a real good one. It could be your catcher for a long time here. Also, as good as Dalton Varsha was, both offensively and defensively, that average is pretty low. The on-base was under 30%. I think that there's a chance that they could flat out win this trade. Every left-handed hitter with the shift had low batting average. But not an batting OVP of 280s. Batting average is an on-base percentage. Left-handed hitters. Wait, wait till you see what left-handed hitters do this year. 
I tell you, the shift was it was devastating for left-handed hitters. They'll see every left-handed hitter is going to go. They're going to start to get back to. It was, you always had an advantage as a left-handed hitter. You were closer to first base than the right-handed hitter, and there's more right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. It was always an advantage, but over the, since the shift came into play, a lot of the left-handed hitters have been at a major disadvantage. I think Varsho is going to do great for them. I, I think he'll be a good player too. And don't get me wrong, I think Hazen has a real understanding of what he gave up. Since it's one of their best players. Uh, if you miss any of those interviews uh, from Newsmakers Week, it includes James Jones, Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, Monty Fort, a whole bunch of great names. Check out the Arizona Sports app. Uh, we talked with Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello earlier on the show. And Gamble, you asked him about pitcher Madison Bumgarner and whether or not he's on a shorter leash this season. If you're not doing your job, obviously there's other solutions. That's just the nature of the game. That's the nature of this beast that we are in. And I don't think really anybody is exempt from that. Specifically with Bum, he's going to get the baseball. He's done it. We know it. But, you know, we'll evaluate him after every start like we evaluate everybody, and we'll give ourselves a chance to win every night. If Bum gone, listen, here's the thing. If you're going to contend for a wild card spot, you can't afford for a guy like Madison Bumgarner to have an ERA of 5.2 for very long. You know, I can't get, I can't, I mean, I've got guys now that are that are good enough to take his spot if he's not getting the job done. And I'm not trying to work, you know, I, I know they'd love to trade him and get off the contract, but this year it's got to be about winning. And if Madison Bumgarner pitches five to seven games and he's not getting anybody out, you got to, you got to, you got to pull the rug out from under him and get him out of there. I'm not in the mood to give him the benefit of the doubt anymore based on what he accomplished in San Francisco. I'm tired of the, well, he was a World Series MVP. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And I'm not saying he can't pitch well. I'm hopeful that he will. But I wouldn't be shocked if we get midseason and we're talking about the possibility of moving Madison Bumgarner. They would they would love to move him. They would have loved to move him last year, but there just wasn't any takers. They'll eventually, I do think, if he pitches well, they'll move him. If he doesn't pitch well, they're not going to be able to move him. Conflicting reports coming out of the Pac-12 media rights conversation today. According to Brett McMurphy, Apple still has not made a formal offer for Pac-12's media rights, but Ion Television has emerged as a potential Pac-12 partner. Ion Television. Uh, they're owned by uh, EW Scripps Company, which has about 61 local TV stations nationwide, yeah. but Ion Television... I might ask to see if they want to go on my uh, my uh, Instagram account. I, they, could, they could put it right there. Yeah. They might get more people viewing that than... Ion's lineup is Hawaii Five O. Law and Order, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Blue Bloods. I mean, jeez. And ASU football. Yeah, can you imagine that? They would actually probably take you off of an overtime basketball game to get to Hawaii Five O. Yeah, it's very important. They don't, don't want to lose that. No, this is. I mean, and the Pac Twelve is getting laughed at for this. Just laughed at. Well, the conflicting report comes from Stuart Mandel. He's pretty dialed in. He says Ion and Script Sports is not involved in Pac 12s TV negotiations. A source with direct knowledge of the situation. Wait, tells wait, the so somebody saying they're not involved? That's Stuart Mandel saying that Ion is not involved in the negotiations with Pac Twelve. Conflicting reports. Wow. One guy says they are, one guy says they are, and I don't know who to believe. I, I don't know. I'll tell you this. Ion at least is available over the air, meaning you could go spend $10 on an antenna for your TV and you could pick up ASU football. Is that, how you, is that how you watch TV? Not a lot. I pick up certain things. I watch the Cardinals on that. 
Because I don't pay for cable. You too, Mitch? You guys have a regular antenna? Yeah. It works great during the NFL season when you just want to watch whatever games are available on the local channels. Yeah. So you just need a regular antenna? Yes. Yeah. Connected to your TV? Correct. And you can get local channels for free? Yeah, like the big networks. You get Fox, right, the big networks. CBS, okay. ABC, all those. And Just apparently that. Ion. <laughs> I went back. I go back to the days when I, we had rabbit ears. You get like, and rabbit ears, you'd have like, you would have like 50 other, ch- 50 extra channels, but only like three of them would come in. You didn't know what they were, but they were like three extra channels. And you get a couple that would be just so fuzzy. You'd be like, what is that? What are they showing? I don't know. You try to watch it, and you move the antenna around. You put some tinfoil on it. You try to put it out the window. So you, <laughs> I, I grew up in that era of television. Listen, Ion TV sounds like a joke in this conversation, but it's more readily available than the Pac-12 network currently is. Uh, around the NFL, Russell Wilson pushed to have Seahawks coach Pete Carroll fired before he what? departed from Seattle. Come on. That's according to The Athletic. Uh, it, things did not go according to plan as he was then shipped out to Denver and had a pretty rough season. Wow. So the reports are that Russell Wilson tried to get Pete Carroll fired. Yeah, and John Schneider, and, the GM. And, this, and the GM. And Pete and Pete won. Pete won, and then he got to the playoffs with Geno Smith. And Russell Wilson was quoted uh, saying, quote, Pete Carroll was a father figure to me, and that Schneider, quote, believed in me and drafted me as well. Well, those aren't exactly falsehoods, but they're also not glorifying the two He guys. was a father figure to me. That doesn't mean you didn't want him fired. But I stabbed him right in the back. <laughs> Exactly. He did say, quote, I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for I didn't Seattle. want them fired. I just wanted them to resign. So it wouldn't look like it was me. Pete's 100 years old. I told him to get out of there. All right, we'll see. As you know, uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy became the assistant head coach in Washington. He's going to lead that offense. But that means Matt Nagy gets a second stint as Chiefs OC under Andy Reid. I'm excited for the enemy and the opportunity. I think he's been shafted for years. He should have been a head coach. This will be a great opportunity for him to call the plays and show everybody what he can do. It's up to him. Uh, but if he does a good job and he does well, he should get a head coaching job next year. Most people agree that the job he did, I don't know why. I mean, learning under Andy Reid is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So he didn't call the play. So what? Like, he's been under Andy Reid for a number of years. He Ten knows years, what to I do. think it is, or something like that. How yeah. that guy's not a head coach. You could, you could debate others. You could debate Brian Flores to a certain extent, even though I think that he did a good job. I don't know that there's any debate over the enemy. How do you make an argument that he shouldn't be a head coach? All I know is that when they won the Super Bowl and they were up on that stage at the end of the game, Andy Reid thanked two people right off the bat. His MVP, Patrick Mahomes, and Eric Bieniemy. That's a pretty good endorsement who, from the guy who I think is yeah. the best coach in the NFL. You can make an argument that Vance doesn't deserve to be a head coach right now, this, but I don't think you can make an argument that Eric Bieniemy doesn't deserve to be a head coach. And he, he didn't even get time. that opportunity. Uh, in the NBA, according to Bleacher Report's Chris Haynes, the Suns are quote-unquote monitoring the buyout situation between the Knicks and point guard Derek Rose. Listen, it, do, it does make sense. He'd be a great insurance policy if case Chris Paul goes down or campaign does and come back. You have a veteran. He's been an MVP, 34 years old. Falling out of favor with the Knicks. Not playing very many minutes. Um, the, obviously, the Suns have not 
turned Ish Wainwright's contract into a, a fully guaranteed deal. He's still on a two-way. So that does make a lot of sense that Derrick Rose, and I'm going to try to find this out, but it does make a lot of sense that Derrick Rose would be a guy that they would at least look at. Well, I mean, look at how many wings are on this team. Akogi, Warren, Durant, Ross, Shamit, Craig. There's just not a lot of room for Wainwright right now. Yeah. All right, still a lot to come on the program. Casey Jacobson is going to talk some Pac-12 hoops with us at 5.30. But next, the NBA odds machine on the Suns. How do they pan out? We'll talk about that next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Suns. You're waiting for Kevin Durant. And that uh, for him to play his first game, you wait for campaign to get back and Landry Shamit. Uh, you've also got big games coming up right here. You're fighting for playoff positioning. You want to try to avoid the Clippers in a 4-5 matchup. You'd love to avoid that and maybe get to three and pass Sacramento or um, just have uh, the Clippers get to three and, and you play Sacramento. Uh, and then, of course, the buyout market. You know, it's, it's an interesting market. And the report from Haynes that the Suns could be interested in Derrick Rose is just something that we've got to keep our eye on. And just insurance for Chris Paul, insurance for campaign, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it does make a lot of sense that that's something that they would do. I've got some calls in. We'll try to find out. If I get the information before the end of the show, we'll try to do that. But uh, I would I would say that that one isn't one that I'm breaking out with the Blois to call Don't Feel the Reaper for right, last night, uh, right now, because I do think it makes a lot of sense that that could work. All right, there was a, uh, a story that I, I was looking at it was uh, on The Ringer, which does some incredible work. And they, they had an NBA odds machine. And they project that the Suns are going to go 44 and 38. And they do these predictions. And they, gotta, you know, they check out the schedule. And they do these predictions. And there's wrinkles and stuff like that. So right now, they project that the Suns go 44 and 38 and finish fifth in the West. Fifth in the West would mean they're playing the four seed and they're on the road. And that would be either be likely right now what Sacramento or the Clippers. Right now I think it's the Clippers, but I don't know that Sacramento with that tough schedule is going to be in a position. It is the Clippers in the four seed. Yeah, right now, that's yeah. who it is. That's who it is right now. Um, but I think if you look at where the Clippers, where the Kings are compared to the Clippers and the Suns, I would expect with uh, you know a quarter of the season left that there's going to be some movement there. That it's not going to stay the same. There's just too many games left for Sacramento to hold on to that three seed, in my opinion. Yeah, I, if you told me the Kings were going to be in the three seed at some point this season, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. There will be some changeover. The Mavericks adding Kyrie Irving at the deadline. I would assume that the Mavericks could see an uptick. The Clippers made a lot of moves to their core. Uh, there will be significant movement in the middle of the playoff picture. Yeah, it says one factor contributing to the Western uh, tumult. Tumult, is that a word? I know tumultuish. But is that the hardest remaining schedules in the conference belong to the Kings, the Clippers, and the Suns. So the three hardest schedules are the three seed, the four seed, and the five seed. The three easiest schedules are the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Thunder. So that's where I think when they do these projections, they look at the the schedule. Like the Kings, the Clippers, and the Suns, the three, four, and five seeds have the toughest schedules remaining. And then the teams below them, the Mavs, the Pelicans, and the Thunders, all have easier schedules. So that's where it comes into play. Now, 
if Kevin Durant is playing, I don't know that it matters who the hell the Suns are playing schedule wise. Like they they are going to be favored to beat everybody they play. No matter who's on that schedule, once Kevin Durant comes back and we see that he's playing at a high level. Didn't it also project that they're going to go like 12 and 10 the rest of the way or something like that? I think it was the projected record. They had, right now, the Suns are 32 and 28, right? Is that what they are, 32 and 28? Uh, yes, that's correct. So they've got them going 12 and 10 down the stretch. I would expect a little better than that. or I would hope for better than that. Now, you and I both know that regular season games don't mean... Everything. I mean, how many times did the Bucks make the number one seed before they actually closed the deal and won a championship? Same with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, so the regular season games don't mean everything. But I would expect better than 12 and 10. I'm hoping for better because you have to start gelling. When LeBron... Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh went to Miami. They were not a great basketball team for the first two or three no, months. They, didn't they win were the together. championship that first year. Well, not even. I'm not even talking about the playoffs or the championship. They were not a good team until maybe February. I think they were 500. I think if I remember Roughly. correctly, they were like a 500 team. Then they it clicked because they spent time together on the court. And I think this Suns team is going to have to go through an interesting phase over the next two months or so. The only thing on the schedule that I looked at was just the back-to-backs. And I think that's where you're going to be smart with the health issues of Durant and, and Chris and and Book and the guys that have been injured, even campaign when he comes back. I think you're going to be careful with that. So that's where, like, 12 and 10, right, it doesn't sound right. It's in 22 games, you think maybe 15 and 7 is more likely, that they're going to win 15 and lose 7, or maybe win 16 and lose 6, but because, you know, Durant's going to play. But, you know, Durant hasn't played yet. They're going to have probably two more games before they play him. And who do they play? Who do they got Monday? Is that Milwaukee? Uh, Monday, Milwaukee Monday? Sunday is Milwaukee. Sunday's Milwaukee. So they could be looking at like they could be looking at that. Like, okay, you're going to split these two games. You beat Oklahoma City, you lose to Milwaukee. And then who's the game right after Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte's Wednesday. Chicago is Friday. I don't think Chicago is that good. But they, well, however they're looking at the schedule, they got them figuring they got them they got them fifth. The Lakers are a team. A lot of people start to look at the Lakers. Can they make a move here? And, and the trade, not the trade, in the odds machine, they just say they say the Lakers are much better situation now than they were because of the trade deadline. LA's in 13th place with 23 to play. They hold only a 12% chance to make the playoffs. Its chances of even making the play play in tournament are only 24%, and in most of those scenarios, it'd be the 9 or 10 seed. So they say the Lakers are better, but that's still an uphill climb for the Lakers. Well, plus what happened with LeBron in the All-Star game, where he tried hard on one play, and he ended up jamming his finger in the rim. Uh, so how does that affect him going forward? Because, the, the, let's be honest, the Lakers go as far as LeBron allows them to. Anthony Davis is an otherworldly talent. I don't know that he loves basketball because I watched some of those. Like, for instance, when LeBron James surpassed uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time scorer, who was the one player still sitting on the bench while everyone else was celebrating? I don't know. I watched watched the highlights. He didn't get off the bench to congratulate him. He's just sitting there while everyone else was standing to watch the moment that LeBron was going to score because everybody in the building knew. Anthony Davis walks past his teammates and he's like, eh. 
sits on the bench. That's possible. Now well, he gets a, up a, at some point, but he is a great player. When he's healthy, he's a great player. Otherworldly talented. I don't know that he loves the game. They say that the odd machine is fairly confident in the identity of the Eastern Conference play-in team, but has no idea out west because there's 11 teams that have between a 19 and 54 percent chance to land in a play-in tournament. Basically, what they're saying is that the West is just really stacked right now. The West, it's hard. There's not a lot of separation from a lot of different teams, and if you look at the standings, like okay. I get it. I see what they're talking about. Uh, the Suns' schedule, and that's why they got the Suns' schedule going 12 and 10, because the Suns' schedule, if you look at it, it is pretty tough. We mentioned the Milwaukee game that they've got coming up on Sunday. That's that's a difficult game. Milwaukee's one of the better teams. they got to play Dallas, who's giving them some trouble. They've got to play at Golden State. they got to play Milwaukee again. So they got two games against Milwaukee. They've got Golden State once. They've got to play at the Lakers. They've got a couple of games against the Kings. They've got to play the Nuggets twice. They got to have to play the Nuggets twice. Then they have to play. They end the season. This is how they end the season. Denver at the Lakers versus the Clippers. Now, the Lakers, that game may mean the world to them. They may be fighting for their lives just to get in. And then the Clippers. So that's a tough schedule. They still got to play Philadelphia, the 76ers. So there's not a lot of games that like that are gimme games. They have one against San Antonio. They've got one against Orlando. And they've got Charlotte. I mean, I think you can make an argument. They've only got, they've only got three layups in this schedule. There's only three layups. I'd say Charlotte, San Antonio, and then Orlando are the layups. And you talked about that parody in the Western Conference. Let me put it to you this way. The three seed, the Kings, and the 13 seed, the Lakers. You know how many games separate them? Six. Is that insurmountable? I'm looking at the the standings now. That's not an insurmountable lead. Six games. It's a lot for the last, what is it, I don't know, 23 games. games. Six games is a pretty cut. That's why I don't think the Suns can move up to two. No, no, no. It it would be hard for the Lakers to pass the Kings. But my point is, that's the three seed and the 13 seed. Right. They should be a lot further away than six games. Just announced Guns N' Roses. They're heading to Chase Field on October 11th. Tickets are now on sale. You can win a pair by texting ROSES to 620-620. That's ROSES to 620-620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. The trade of DeAndre Hopkins, whether it's going to happen or not, may really hinge on the rest of the market. We'll tell you what that means next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, there it is. Ish Wainwright has had his contract converted. So instead of just being able to practice, now he can play. That's good. That's good. I'm happy for him. So Ish Wainwright has had his uh, contract converted. Suns are signing two-way forward Ish Wainwright to a new two-year, $2.5 million deal. Uh, that's from his agents. His agents told Sham Sharania. Um, so he gets a, he gets a two-year, $2.5 million deal to continue to play basketball. How great is that for Ish? That's fantastic. He didn't just make the roster for the rest of the season. He got a second year attached. He looks like year. a team option. Uh, listen, we talked about this earlier and the possibility of the Suns uh, pursuing a, another backup point guard in in case they need one for campaign being out or whatever the case may be. That still makes sense, and it, it could still be down, down the road. But there's a lot of wings on this team now. So for Ish to make this team with 
A Kogi with Warren, Durant, Ross, yeah. Shamit. Uh, he's more of a two guard, but still plays on the wing. Craig and Wainwright. That's a lot of guys. Good for him for earning that spot. Yeah, you know, Ish was on that two-way contract, and he was at you know right right at the fifty-game limit. So now he's eligible to play all the games down the stretch. And you know, he's not a guy that you know was playing a lot of minutes. He's had forty-two appearances. He got one start, but he's one of those guys that plays hard, practices hard. He could defend a little bit. He's a bigger guy, body, physical guy. I think we were all kind of rooting for him. We all kind of wanted to see Ish get that contract, but it makes sense that the Suns would take their time with it. See what's out there in the buyout market. See if anybody wanted to come to them. I think that's why they waited to the, this is the last minute to like, you know, to have him eligible for this game, you know, tonight. This was it. So he would have been able to continue to practice with the team, just not playing any games on the two way deal. But now converting him. You know, he'll be there and he'll be with them. And again, it could be part of reward too, you know, for what he's done and how much they've liked him. So I do. I do feel good for Ish because Ish has worked hard to get to this position. One of my favorite memories of Ish was I went to Game 7 last year against Dallas. One of the worst games I've ever attended. And, you know, you're down 30 at halftime. And then you're getting into the fourth quarter. And it's really just a joke at this point. I was at all those games. It's terrible. People are leaving. And, of course, I stayed. And who gets put in the game in the fourth quarter is Ish Wainwright. It's one of those guys at the tail end of the bench that, you know, I right, right, go out there and we got to clean up this mess. We're obviously not going to win, but, you know, somebody who's going to take this seriously. And he did. And what I'll always remember is that he went out there, treated the job like it was still there was still a job to be done, even though there clearly was not. And I respected him a lot for that. I know it was a losing effort. I know it was not at all what we wanted to see in that game or that series. But I respected Ish Wainwright more after that game. Yeah, I think that's what I, I think I kind of remember them saying that about JaVel McGee, like from the previous year, that that's why Chris liked what Chris Paul liked what JaVel McGee was. He was still hustling and still playing hard. And, you know, you look at that, you look at that stuff. Who's still playing hard at the end of the game? Ish is a guy that's going to play hard at the end of the game. It doesn't matter if they're down by 20 or they're up by 20. You're, you're going to get that out of him. He's going to find a way to play hard. All right, so that is the news. I think we've all been kind of waiting for it. Ish Wainwright does have his uh, contract converted to a full deal. Casey Jacobs is going to join us 5.30. So an hour from now, we'll talk some Pac-12 hoops, talk U of A, and we'll talk ASU. What does ASU have to do to get in the tournament? Is uh, they too far gone, or can they find a way to salvage their season? We said we'd talk a little D-hop, so let's do that. A lot of eyes on DeAndre Hopkins and whether the Cardinals will trade him. Monty Ossonfort kind of said he's still on the team right now. I don't know if we still have, if we have that cut, but we have we, we did hear that from Monty this week talking about DeAndre Hopkins. They sat down. They had a discussion. So I'm expecting that they're going to look to move him. And some of the reasons why are just simply the amount of money in the contract. It makes sense that they would do that. The Cardinals could get a little bit over $8 million in cap savings if they trade him before June 1st. So that would be like at the draft, if you trade him like before June first, you get about eight point five million. Uh, after would be nineteen point four five million dollars, so that would be after June first. Uh, but either gives them a lot of flexibility. So they've got about thirteen to fourteen million dollars in projected cap space right now. And then you look at the, the the market, and this is one of the things that could favor the Cardinals. The free agent market is not that good. Jacoby Myers. Juju Smith-Schuster. So a team that's looking for a top-flight wide receiver, like you might have to come call in the Cardinals because the wide receiver market is not a good one. You mentioned
mentioned uh, the new GM talking about DeAndre Hopkins. This is from this week. Yeah, I had a great talk with D-Hop a couple of weeks ago. It was great. You know, I just kind of explained to him what what my philosophy was, kind of the same things that I've told you. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, again, like uh, D-Hop's been a great player in this league for a long time. Uh, I'm excited to work with him. And, you know, I think any roster decisions of that were in the very early stages right now. Yeah, I think the language coming from Monty and from the coach is interesting because they both said, I'm excited to work with him. I'm excited to have him in the building with me. And they're saying all the right things. They just got hired. What are they going to say? Hey, we yeah. don't want to work with this guy because that no. devalues him. And if you're trying to trade him, that's not going to help you. No, you say you could explore all options. I think right. you, could, you could say that. Though. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Right now, Pro Football Focus lists the Patriots' Jacoby Myers as the number one wide receiver. But he's a uh, slot guy. He's a slot receiver. Number two is Juju Smith-Schuster, who's upset everybody in the NFL with the way he was trash-talking after the Super Bowl. But, you know, Juju's good, but he's not great. Odell Beckham Jr., number three. He didn't even play last year. Didn't play last year. He's number three. He's a bit of a diva, too. Yeah. Michael Thomas, he's missed so many games. Not reliable. He's missed so many games. Such a good player, but he's missed a lot of games. DJ Chark from the Lions, he's listed as number five. Um... So that's the, those are your guys. Then Lazard from the Packers, Paris Campbell from the Colts. So if you're looking to get a wide receiver, you're not going to do it through the draft. You might be better off. Go- Hopkins is the best name on here by far. By far, there's not even anybody close. So that could be something that benefits the Cardinals is that it's not a good free agent class. So if you're looking for a guy that could be a number one wide receiver, your only option is to Cardinal call the Cardinals and talk to DeAndre, get talk about DeAndre Hopkins because getting a guy in free agency, you're not going to get that number one guy in free agency. He doesn't exist. From a trade conversation, you're totally right. From a football context, what does that leave you with if you end up trading DeAndre Hopkins? Rondell Moore has not turned into the significant role that I thought he might have in a high-flying offense. It leaves offense. you without a number one wide receiver. Marquise Hollywood-Brown is good. I think that he can be a really talented player at times, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's a number one. No, it leaves you without a number one, but yeah. that's okay. You know, you got sometimes you got to take a step back in order to take a step forward. You know, what if you got that sec? What if you got a second round pick and now you've got two seconds, two thirds, and you draft a wide receiver in that mix? Or you know, maybe you address all your offensive and defensive line needs, and next year in the first or second round you get a wide receiver. No question, they they. But but you've got to sometimes you got to strike while these guys are in their prime. And make that trade. If you wait a year, it becomes less likely you'll get something good for him because he's getting older, too. So right now, his value is still very high. And this is when you got to strike. And you've got to figure you're not going to have a great team next year. You got the Kyler Murray injury to start the season. And it's a luxury. Having DeAndre is a luxury. You've got tight ends you could throw the ball to. You've got running backs that you could throw the ball to. You'll have wide receivers. Now, you're going to have to, you know, you may go get one in the draft at some point, but where it leaves you is simply without a number one wide receiver. That's where it would leave you. We played a cut from Michael Bidwell earlier where he talked about what they still need on this team, and, and they're the fundamental positions. They're cornerback, they're pass rusher, they're offensive line. Yeah, really, you'll add wide receiver if you trade hop. Really all around the offensive line, too. Uh, but when you need things desperately in that area, and you're spending 30 Million a year on one guy to play wide receiver, 
If you do make that trade, then that money probably gets doled out to those other positions. And I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I don't think Hollywood Brown's a number one wide receiver. He's probably a good number two. You might have to pay him pretty decently to keep him around, but you're not going to pay him $30 million a year. I think you go slow. I don't think you, I think you play it. You let him play this year at a a relatively low number, even if he's unhappy. And then you could always tag him if you can't come to a deal. Let's see how he plays in a full season. He missed some games too. And he's a smaller wide receiver. I think you're going to want to want some, you're going to want, to get some size. The the wide receiver position, you can find guys. You can find them. I mean, look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did. They let go of Tyreek Hill. They had Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think a lot and of that— And they won the Super Bowl. Those guys, uh, you're right. They, it ended up working out pretty well. But I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback, too. Well, sure. Yeah, but mo- that's what the whole league is. If you don't have a quarterback and get him the ball, what does it matter? I agree with you. So if your quarterback becomes a lead, if they make Kyle a lead, he'll make whatever wide receivers are around you better. He'll make those guys better. That's a pretty big if, though, because I don't think that he's done that. No, he hasn't. DeAndre Hopkins, he came in elite. And he will leave elite, in my opinion, and even that, though he only played about half the games he was available to play. Right, but if you're not going to contend next year, what's the use of holding on to him? I agree. I mean, you're going to wait for another year until he gets older. He's got t- you, that cap money could go towards building the lot, the line, the offensive line, and defensive line. You got to address those areas. My philosophy, if I ran in a, if I was a GM in the NFL, if I ran a team, is I'd be spending thirty million in a position that matters more than wide receiver. It would be corner, it would be pass rusher, it would be the offensive line, specifically the tackle. But that's what they're going to do. That's like what that, they need to do. But that's what they're going, that's the plan. Is it should have been the plan gonna, before. No, but it wasn't. It wasn't the plan before. Their plan before was to load up on skill position players. That's why they drafted a tight end in the second round. That's why they brought Ertz in. That's why they signed James Conner. That's why they drafted Keontae Ingram. That's why they traded for DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown. Their plan was different. The plan now is completely different. Under Steve Kime, the plan was to load up on skill position players, give Murray options all over the field. You know, you had three tight ends because Max Williams is a good tight end, too. You had Ertz, Max Williams, and, and McBride. You had Hopkins and Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore, who you drafted. You had James Conner, who you brought in as a running back. And so you, you, you had, and you drafted a running back, too. So think about the players. They, they drafted a tight end in McBride. They drafted a wide receiver in Rondale Moore. They drafted a running back in Keontae Ingram. They signed James Conner as a free agent. They traded for Zach Ertz. They traded for Hollywood Brown. They traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Like The plan was simple. Skill position players all over the field for Kyla Murray. It didn't work. Like It didn't work. Guys got hurt. Guys got injured. It, it, so I think the plan now is like build with the offensive line first. Then once again, when the offensive, you know, looking at Kyler Murray as a one or two year deal, you even though he might be, even though if he fails, you're going to get rid of him. You're still trying to look at him like he's going to be here long term. Build the line, get a really good line, then go get your skill position players when you know you've got a really good, talented offensive line. Maybe part of the benefit of having a defensive minded head coach is that that pendulum could swing a little easier back to the defensive side of the ball. Text us, uh, text us your thoughts on the car. Cardinals to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Should the Suns have considered Derrick Rose, Carmelo Anthony, and how does everybody feel about Ish Wainwright being back? We'll talk some Suns basketball next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
right, Manny Machado, the first player to commit the pitch clock violation. Yep. Manny Machado of the Padres in a spring training game got docked a strike because he was not set and facing the pitcher in the batter's box when the clock reached eight. Turned him into a pumpkin. Facing Robbie Ray in one of the games. They're running this trial run for Major League Baseball, the rules overhaul. They're trying to get the, the players to the plate faster. And I, look, I don't, maybe the younger generation likes this. I don't know. I, like, I love that baseball's not a time sport. I like to go sit there, relax. When it ends, it ends. I don't know. Some people just, they don't have the... Uh, the patience to sit for three hours at a sporting event or three and a half hours, if that's how long the game... The games take a long time. I get it. Um, but a lot of the younger generation, I think, wants to see it sped up. So they've got this pitch clock now. You've got eight seconds to be ready. And they, Machado becomes the first player. Pitch clock violation, spring training game against Robbie Ray today. This is 100% about creating action. Because baseball knows that there are other sports that we're falling in love with more and more every day, like football and basketball in America specifically, that are loaded with action. And baseball, there's nothing better than when somebody hits a home run or somebody strikes somebody out to get the last out of the game. There's nothing better than that. But the problem is there's a lot of time in between those. There's a lot of downtime. But, you know, I think it's it's a nice, relaxing atmosphere. You know, you're able to, you feel like you can get up and go to the concession stands. You feel like you you can sit, you can have a conversation with somebody. I mean, it's... That's it, if you're going to the game, though. If you're going to the game. It's becoming more and more accessible to just stay home. I can watch this on a screen that's in high definition. Mm-hmm. It's probably a better view than the seats that I'm willing to pay for. Uh, I can drink my own beer at a cheaper cost. I can eat my own food. I'm on the comfort of my own And you couch. get to listen to Steve Berthium call the game. Uh, he does you, a great job. You can listen however it is that you want to listen or pay attention to the game. I, it, the game is becoming so much more accessible from your own home that they have to do something for the experience for both people, the people in the ballpark and the people who are watching on TV or listening on the radio. No, I get it. I get it. But there just seems like this, like this, oh, we gotta we got to speed the games up. we got to speed the games up. we got to speed the games up. I... Like I understand it to a certain extent, but like, isn't it isn't it great that there is one sport out there that doesn't have a clock? That's not really timely. Like a like a basketball game, there's only a certain amount of minutes in a quarter. It's only a certain amount of minutes in a half. It's only a certain amount of minutes in, in an entire game. Hockey, three periods. Like you, that's it. It's twenty minutes. Like that's what you get. Like every sport, baseball, football, baseball, not bad. Football, hockey, basketball, clocked. When, there's a certain amount of time that's going to be played every single game unless you go to overtime. Baseball could be a two-hour and ten-minute game. It could be a three-hour and ten-minute game. It could be a three-hour and fifty-minute game. You just don't know. But I don't know. I think a lot of people are accustomed to, I'm only going to spend a lot of time, a certain amount of time watching the game. See, that's where, like I, I was telling somebody the other day, baseball's, re- this is fascinating. I got to tell you, you may not know this. A lot of people may not know this, know this. but Baseball is, I'm just looking at my notes here because I put this down the other day. The D-backs, the D-backs, they get a lot more revenue for their television rights than even the Suns do. The rights fees for Major League Baseball is a lot more than the NBA. It's a lot more. Why is that? There's several factors. The first is you got 150 games. A lot more games. Compared, because you got to figure national television. So there's about 150 to 155 games in Major League Baseball 
compared to the NBA, about 70. Because the Suns, there's probably a bunch, 10 games that they're not on. They're on the national broadcast. They're not on the alleys. Uh, broadcast. So there's a lot more games. The window's also longer. A baseball window is a four-hour window. A basketball window is a three-hour window. So the baseball has a four-hour window to sell the advertising, where baseball is only three hours. So 150 games, four hours a game, compared to 70 games at three hours. The other thing is national. Baseball's much more of a regional sport. Basketball's national. Charles Barkley, the TNT games, the ESPN games. Sure, there's some baseball games that are on national TV, but not at the level that basketball is. Basketball's a very national sport. There's always a great game on that you could watch over the local team. Here, it's like, if you want to watch the Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks are the game. It's a, it's a re- very regional sport compared to basketball, which is a lot more nationally. And then the other thing, just the, the last thing is, there's no competition for baseball in the summer. Nope. No cup. They, they've got reruns of the of, of Blue Bloods, Hawaii Five O. Like it's reruns. You're going up against reruns the entire summer. You're not going up against uh, the, the new hit shows that the fall season, the spring season of a new hit show or other sports or other Football, sports, basketball, hockey. I mean, yeah. they all overlap on some level. But you're right. Once you get into the dog days of July. There's not a whole lot. Basketball wraps up. Baseball's always up. in this. Baseball's always the number one show all the time on TV yeah. out here. Always in the summer, they're always the number one show. No show does better than baseball. It's the number one show because there is nothing else to watch. There, there, you don't have a hit show on NBC, Fox, or any of these other shows. Now, granted, there are shows that you can watch on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, but the the the. The uh, the network television shows the live television the I'm trying to think of show the Good Doctor the uh, Chicago PD Chicago Med the Residents the I'm trying to think of the different shows that are on TV those shows um, the FBI shows th- those are primetime shows they compete against sports for ratings baseball doesn't compete against any of those shows for ratings. Think of all the shows that are on the major networks. They don't compete against them. When baseball starts, those shows are ending. Baseball has the whole summer to themselves. So baseball generates a lot more revenue for their contract than even the NBA does. NBA makes a lot less. I'm, I think it's about three times the amount of money that you, that the baseball teams get in rights fees compared to what a basketball team would get. And those are your three reasons why. You it's got just a lot more content. That's the big there's, reason. There's more for me. content. There's a larger window for your content, and the content is on at a time that's not that's unchallenged. It's unchallenged. You know, there's nothing going up against you. Think about June, July, August. There's nothing. You know, so I think that's that's a big win for them. Even when the basketball playoffs, the, the NBA finals may go to June, but you're talking about two teams playing. <laughs> okay, not you don't have everybody playing. You might have you have two teams that are playing. Now, let's tie that back to the original conversation we are having about the rules changes. Because uh, while you're right, it, it might speed up the game a little bit to have this pitch clock. Let's be honest. We're talking about shaving a couple minutes off of a two-and-a-half-hour broadcast. I don't know right? how much they could shave, but if they couple could shave minutes. 10, they'll take it. We're talking about minutes, not hours. Can we agree on that? Oh, easily, yeah. Okay. What could actually shave hours off but is impossible to get rid of? Commercial well, breaks. You just, 
You could also that's, go to less innings. Well, yeah, you could do that, too. You could that's, go to less innings. That's going to change the game pretty dramatically. A lot of people just want, don't want 162 games anymore. They just want, like, 150. Play less games. 162 is too much. Playing less games makes sense. Play, playing less innings would alter a lot of things now that I think about it. I mean, if you're playing a seven-inning game instead of nine, for instance, now you're talking about bullpens don't need to be as deep. You might not go as long with your starting pitchers. It changes pitching a lot. You're not going to get a commercial window to be shortened. Exactly. That's my point. Is The obvious way to shorten a game by a lot would be to get rid of the between-inning stuff. But they've tried it with the relief pitcher. Like, you have to stay in for three batters. You can't come, right. you can't come out. You just can't have a lefty come in, face the lefty, and then leave. They're cutting every extra second they can that's not a commercial break. Right. And part of the problem is, all right, when I grew up, the relief pitcher, if he had to come in in the seventh inning, he pitched the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth and closed out the game. How many times Goose Gossage pitched two innings, three innings at a baseball game? You didn't have six relievers in the spe- you special. Your best pitcher would come in and close the game. So you didn't have, your starter would go longer. Well, there was a lot more complete games back then. Starters would be pissed if they only pitched. You know, you didn't worry about a guy throwing 100 pitches like they do now. Guys would throw 130, 140, 150. They were fine. Believe it or not, they were fine. But guys never came out of the. Now it's six innings is a, is a quality start. Really? Six innings, three runs, quality start. Man, back in my days, you, if, you went, if you went six innings or less, there was something wrong with you. So starters would go longer in the games, and there wasn't as many relief pitchers. And your closer didn't just come in for three outs in the ninth. He would pitch the eighth inning if he had to, and sometimes the seventh. The problem, I think, with baseball now is that you'll see, you look at a box score, you might see seven different pitchers in one baseball game. I think a lot of people forget, too, along your point, is there is a rule in baseball where you could pitch three innings at the end of the game, and you can, get a, you can get a save as a closer if you pitch three innings. It doesn't matter what the score is, as long as you win. It doesn't matter if you're up by eight. You can get a save because that's the way things used to be, is you'd pitch multiple innings near the end of the game. Yeah, now you can. You can't get a save. If you're up eight nothing, you can't come in and get face three batters and get a save. Not three batters, three innings. Oh, three innings. Three innings. Yeah, you can get three, three innings. innings and get a save. Yeah, right. Sorry, I don't know if I said batters, I but I meant said, innings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't do that now. All right, we've got a lot to come. Casey Jacobson at five thirty. We'll talk some college basketball with him. The head coach of your Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, he was on with Bickley and Murata Newsmakers Week. We'll go over some of the top things he said next, right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.